0: This is Nathan from 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade, and you might as well be naked. Listen up, mortal. If you've desperately explored the web for vampire-themed clothing, but everything was either cheesy, sparkly, poor quality, or cost an arm and a leg, then sink your teeth into Just Bloody Driven. Just Bloody Driven is a graphic design coterie that provides exactly what you've been missing in vampire-themed apparel. They offer brand-name t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, and hoodies to the U.S., U.K., and Germany. Their convenient Amazon shop handles orders, printing, shipping, and... And returns. They also do bulk order discounts and custom design crafting for your shop or gaming community. Don't settle for dull, lifeless garb that drains your pocketbook. Check out Just Bloody Driven on Facebook or search for them at amazon.com. That's Just Bloody Driven at Facebook or amazon.com. Our efforts are focused and brutal. Calculating and is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am Nathan. And I am Bob. And today we are going to review... Revenants and ghouls. Ghouls and revenants. I don't know why I called it revenants and ghouls. What am I on? What am I on?
1: I love how that happens. I must miss cue every freaking time. I feel you're like set and I just stare at you. It's you know what, man, it's it's hard.
0: It's because like basically we're looking at each other through like a tiny little video screen and we have to anticipate each other's movements but like when we're in the same room i feel like we got pretty good at it right like picking up on the cues but like my voice has to go into this little box and like into space i think and then it instantly has to come back to you so yeah we just you know sometimes sometimes you just screw it up
1: that dude who i had to b and B with must have been named hubble not Hubbell. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole I am. I literally sat there and called him like what we talked and whatnot. And uh-huh. I was like, Well thank you, Hubel. And he always was like, What? He always <laughs> like what? You know, like I right, you're welcome. Like that's and he never corrected it, so I was like, Oh, he's polite. That's yeah, what that yeah. is.
0: Anyways, we are in fact here to do a review. <laughs> what is this book that we're we're reviewing? This ghouls and revenants. What is this book?
1: Ghouls and Revenants is awesome because this book puts in one place in one book everything you need to operate ghouls and, of course, Revenants. And that's not a pitch. It's, it's, what I mean by that is, is no book before really had a one-stop shop. And it didn't go as in-depth as this book does regarding, well, Renfields, if you will, a type of ghoul. Like, we hear everything about Dracula. We know what an eccentric character Renfield is. But if you think about it, what do you really know about Renfield except he's a crazy raver? With strange, lengthy arms in in the Bram Stoker version, in a cage, he wears a straitjacket. Just it's strange, right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what's going on there. What's the cinematography? Is he is he made of putty? Do is bugs make him stretch? You don't <laughs> stretch know, right? Strong, I don't know. But in this book, you do get some very cool setups as to how you might have had that Renfield, right? Or to make several different types of goals. It broadens your mind. It uh, lets you know that if you uh, a vampire do have these servants and these servants often help run an immortal or an immortal household. So
0: so many of you listening um, may be thinking um, uh, what they address right in the introduction. Uh, How is this any different than? Previous material written. Um, there, there are. There is a ghoul book that came out for revised um, Ghoul's Fatal Addiction. There's also, as they point out, there is a ghoul based book for Dark Ages called Liege Lord and Lackey coming soon. Not a plug. Um, that will be down the road. We haven't gotten to that yet. Um, and it is a little bit different. You know, it's kind of updated for V20. It does have some additional material that you can use. Um, it even has additional material that's not included in the V20 book. Like they, they actually make mention that, um, you know, we presented ghouls in the base V20 book, but this is a bit more expanded. And indeed it is, um, you know, depending on your personal preference, uh, it does have additional rules. So like Bob said, it is a one-stop shop for ghouls. Um, what that means, it's not just going to tell you how to build a ghoul or introduce a ghoul into your chronicle, which it does, but it also gives you rules for building a ghoul for play, for running a chronicle of ghouls, right?
1: And here's a, here's a quick layout rundown, right, in regards of format. Everything from Ghouls Fatal Addiction is pretty much in the first 31 pages, right telling you where they're from how when to use how to use the types and and basically gets all into it but remember ghouls fatal addiction kind of spread it out too much right it was just too much info it was very scientific right. and they were doing as an in-game mechanic you know but that was back when all those books right. were like you discovered this ghoul document and you need to read it well right. v20 v20 says this is function. This mm-hmm. is four main function that we're trying to give you. And so the first 31 pages do give you an idea of how about all that. But then they give you something very smart. Ghoul systems. It's blatant. It's like right in there, right? Because whenever we right. mention ghouls or how to use it as an ST, I want to know how does disciplines work? The aging, healing. Do they frenzy? What's a clan weakness? When's it come to play? Can they overfeed? What about withdrawal? Do they have humanity? What if they're on a path of enlightenment? Right. That's all here. And I'm already... You're thinking a ghoul could be in a path of enlightenment. A revenant sure can. Right. Right.
0: And, right. and, and, and you it, right. when you think about it. Right. When you think about a, a perspective of um, a ghoul that is in service or, or a revenant, and, and that's a pretty important distinction as well. Um, a ghoul that is in the service of the, the most inhumane vampires probably aren't going to be able to stick around too long. Um, right. Immortality is not really going to matter, but. Um, having said that, there are some different uh, rules, whereas things may have been sort of alluded to in previous material, like you could do this if you wanted to, or or hey, you know, a Nosferatu ghoul that's fed on Nosferatu blood for a long period of time, like they could start to gain some of the traits of a Nosferatu. Well, here they show you that this, this is a hard and fast rule, right? Um, and, and I really appreciate that they kind of did that, that they said, uh, look, instead of just eluding, like, maybe you could do it if you want, here's the hard and fast rule. You know, a Bruja ghoul is going to become very passionate and very much more likely to frenzy, um, so, yeah, that's that's like some information. Um, Bob talked about, like, the first 31 pages. Um, the first chapter kind of, like, goes over the history of the ghouls, right?
1: It's a, It goes over the history, the mindset of a ghoul. Uh, it goes in detail. It covers uh, important, uh, well, important points that you wouldn't think of self. Like, how do I even recruit a ghoul, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing, and that's got to be the most demanding thing from a player. You skip yeah. it over. I take retainers in my sheet. It's one through five, or I say it on my live action sheet. There they are. Right. I, I don't even assign them a name. I just have a goal of that competency, and I move on. However, right. in here, it shows no, like you're doing a disservice to you. Because your goal can fu- uh, function across what they categorize as a, basically an an open ad for a vampire. That's how you have to look at a goal. You need an assistant, or you need someone to help you in your existence. That should be something that you put some serious thought into.
0: Right right and then uh go ahead no no, you're good i was just gonna say um you know right in this first uh this first chapter here they they um they give you some information about like um you know how, how they assume the concept of a ghoul developed and and how like the blood bond uh, uh like formed and uh, they kind of go into some of the the more um theoretical aspects of a ghoul but they don't What they don't do is they don't do like they did in Fatal Addiction, which is like have this long chapter of like Douglas Net Church, like waxing about the scientific merits of like there's none of that. It's just like, here's here's what we think. Um, Here's some conceptual ideas. Um, But then they really get into the meat and potatoes of like, what is the point of a ghoul? What can ghouls do to help your players and, and even storytellers as well kind of get an idea of of how you can use ghouls in your chronicle or as a vampire, as one of the kindred, what you would need a ghoul for. Um, and they talk about like some of the different tasks, you know, uh, just as like a basic servant, like um, cleaner. Um, of course, we've encountered, you know, literally hundreds of ghouls <laughs> that um, their sole purpose is to clean up a mess after their, their, uh, their regnant um, concierge protector, etc. And it kind of goes on um giving you like full uh i I think like a fully detailed idea of what um a ghoul can do and then it moves on from there
1: from this book i watched the player do something very smart that i hadn't seen in years me and nate have never done this but it's brilliant when you think about i honestly know that we we tried but storyteller was so no about it because it was upkeep for them but uh, I, they're doing it in our game, and it's very smart they did. They took a retainer of five, they had a ghoul, had a ghoul in mind of what they did in general, and told us that they handle everything for their downtimes. Like their wealth, their influence, everything they had is ran through this ghoul. This ghoul right. runs shot. He's just there for decisions. But the ghoul's so obsessive, like any ghoul should be, they make sure the master's threaded throughout the business, has everything going on. That dominar is their all, their center of their world. Because of that, he could submit a downtime that says, I'm going to take over this business and I tell my ghoul. Meanwhile, he just gets reports from the servant, right? right? Strangely, he's more successful with it, right? He's trusting a competent to go and handle it forth. He can focus on the socializing and it develops this dichotomy where he has to talk to his goal, right? He has to be engaged in a relationship with him in order to know not only what's going on, to make sure this person's okay because right. this is the center of all your your influence. So um, some people a little scared doing that. I think it's very beautiful because it outlines the importance of the person and gives a reason to have that talk about when exactly do I embrace for all their hard earned service. Right, You know, or do I ever, do I keep dangling the carrot? Who knows?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's some, some ghouls, some retainers, uh, you just want to keep stringing along. Some, you actually do want to reward. And uh, I think like a very common character concept, especially for certain clans is like, I was a ghoul for so many years and I served and now I'm a vampire and that's a cool, that's a cool concept. But I, I also like the concept of I'm still serving. I've continued to serve when, when do I get the embrace? Do I ever get the embrace? And that vampire who's just like, kind of like stringing along, like, just, you know, just another decade, just another century, you know, yeah. um, one of the cool recruiting tactics I inadvertently have used with, a, I used with a Tremere character. You'll, you'll remember this pretty well, Bob. Um, I, I was playing a Tremere who, uh, oh, like he, he owned quote unquote a law firm. Um, and so I put an ad out to hire, uh, (laughs) like, like someone like essentially like a legal assistant, uh, someone looking to like, I'm looking to recruit. So what I did was I, I created a company that was a recruiting firm. And then I interviewed a bunch of people for a position of a recruiter for a talent recruiter. And then the best one I hired, I quote unquote hired. And then I Googled her, and then I just had her find me more people right. to work in my business. So yeah, it's like, uh, you know, man, this is the best paying job. Like this seems like a really cush gig here. Have a glass of wine. <laughs> hmm, it's pretty delightful, huh? Yeah. It turns, out, <laughs> yeah it turns out. Yeah. turns out we're going to be representing another Tremere who doesn't have a firm understanding of what the masquerade is. So how willing are you to deal with blood? <laughs> Uh yeah, so it it was a lot of fun, but um, it it kind of like give you some of these ideas. Um, in fact, one of them is using a headhunter. Also, a cool thing that I read about in here, which I thought was kind of neat, and I might introduce into a game, is like a firm of ghouls,
1: right? <laughs>
0: who Sorry. like hire out ghouls to other vampires. And I I think stuff like that, little little intricacies, you know, like you're a vampire. You, you, uh, you know, you're one of the kindred, you're looking for somebody good and you happen to get an invite to an office at midnight and you go and it's a bunch of retainers and you're like, Oh, what, what's happening right now?
1: (laughs) There was an interesting plot hook they had in here about, a about a prince who, or a city that had been abusing their, their, their servants. Mm -hmm. And what happens is there's an organization that comes in and when they identify it, uh, they help them basically join them to destabilize and take over the city because they're vampire hunters. Right. That's what they do. These ghouls, they're only in it for the blood and getting that blood from them. And it bring it opens up doors. It's not only other uh, antagonists that could be in existence, a protagonist fits in nicely too. Cause what if you're that ghoul who sure you've been abused, but you feel that it's worth it. Right. Right. And they approach you and you're not with it, but you got to fake it. Now here's a character to to right, both sides of the fence. And that becomes a very interesting um, thing to pull in for a concept, uh, right. which, which works. Nay there's a ton of them. There's a so ton of them. I,
0: I would say that this first chapter, for people that are new ish to this game um, and aren't really, they don't really understand how complex and how multi layered a ghoul can be, um, either to play or to just include into your you know, your game specifically, I think that this chapter is definitely invaluable. It is a fantastic chapter to sort of get you to where you need to be to understand ghouls. I will say this for people that are experienced, people that have played this game for a while, more than three or four years, it's probably not going to be a lot of new information in this first chapter for you. But There are a lot of like little seeds, little plot hooks, little things that you can include in your game. And when I read a book, that's what that's I'm always looking for those little seeds that help to inspire me to add stuff to my game or to throw into a game or to add to my character. Um, So that's basically what you're getting in that first chapter. Chapter two, we've got systems, and uh, I actually I kind of uh, since we started doing this podcast, I've actually. I've like, I wait for these because I'm like, all right, the story, like, come on, let's get through it. <laughs> like I want right. to What's the meat and potatoes. Um, and that's what we're going to get here. We're going to get some meat and some potatoes. Uh, you're not required to eat them, but, um, some people don't eat carbs. Some people don't eat meat.
1: Dress accordingly. That's, that's, that's the matter. <laughs> Dress accordingly.
0: <laughs> Dress accordingly. Um, but it talks about blood bonds. Um, And one thing that uh, I I did notice is they kind of like they didn't really associate the blood bond and the power of a ghoul as the same thing, Um, right? Because in order to ghoul someone, you essentially just have to feed them a a taste of the blood, right? You you don't have to do. So for those of you that don't understand.
1: Nate, you look tired. Seems the coffee's helping. Fuck it. Take a sip. Yeah. Become a ghoul right there. Boom. Mm. There you go.
0: Yeah until yeah. a month and, of
1: adventure.
0: right and so that concept has kind of adjusted and changed a little bit as the game has uh, you'll notice that sometimes uh you can feed blood uh from a cup to someone to blood bond them sometimes they have to drink from the source what it really comes down to fundamentally i think is whatever works for your game right if you want your players to be able to blood bond somebody by giving them wine three consecutive nights with blood in it great. It's your game. Who cares? It's not a big deal. If you don't want that and you want like a hard and fast rule, like you have to drink from the source. Okay. Do that, do whatever works. But in this, you just have to be fed vampiric blood over the course of three nights or three separate periods. You have to have a rest in between, but you don't have to be blood bound necessarily to be a ghoul. And they talk about that too right like some of the different cultures and and some of the different groups they don't necessarily espouse a forced slavery right right being a ghoul you just need to consume the blood it's like the blood the one drop of blood the one trait of blood is sort of initiates that role right you And
1: and here's where that uh that the ghoul book previously right this is where mm-hmm. it's, uh, what was the name of it again? Ghoul's something to revise, for forget the name of it.
0: Ghoul's Fatal Addiction.
1: Ghoul's Fatal Addiction, this is where it sings. Because it goes in detail about what happens to the body. The physiology of it. And, and in a fictional sense, obviously. They're not trying to tell right. you if you find, well, if you find vampiric blood, it might work that way. But they don't exist, so good luck. you know. Right. Uh, but the fact is, is, they give you that flavor. And that's there. Here, they just give you an idea. And
0: right. that's
1: okay. But why they do that, it should be open-ended for you. They're supernaturally right. enhanced. It is a magical bonding, and why get that hard nose to it? Tons of questions about it, like what actually happens to a ghoul, and what makes them like. If I use aspects, can we detect a ghoul? I don't know. Right. What does it say in the book? And it's your game. What do you want it to do? You
0: know. Yeah. So so that that comes down to um, for a lot of people, you know, the, a lot of people want to know like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. That's a pretty standard debate. Like you know, what actually happens when a ghoul? And here's my opinion on it. We're playing a game, right? And we know when a human drinks vampire blood, it changes them. Right? But do we need to know scientifically what happens? No, we don't. We just need to know this is this is what it is. Like I I get why in the older editions they tried to like delve deep into that science thing. The thing is, like, write a book, that's a game. Don't try to write a science manual about something that's essentially mystical, your your best out in my opinion for this game or for any world of darkness game is f- fucking magic. It's f- fucking magic. Stop trying to find a scientific reason because it vampires don't exist st- scientifically. Mages it's not a science. You know, so of course you're not wrong if you want to play the game that way. You're not wrong if you want to delve into that, but that's what other books are for. This one is kind of just like, you drink blood, you become ghoul.
1: Right. And and then simplicity is going to help, too, because here's my opinion. I think people get bogged down in that type yeah. of minutia. And it's like, you've said it a lot. And I've kind of been silent because I agree with it. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be vocal here, at least, and say that the blood is powerful. It is a curse from whatever God you believe in. Right. This, this holds to a Christian method. I agree with that. Uh, or at least that idea of Old Testament God anyway. Yeah. And the fact is, is that a taste of blood to a human should be powerful. It should right. do something more than go, oh, that's kind of coppery, you know? And that's, and that's why it's there. Does it have to be the same for you? Like, as we've said, as I've said already, do you? Right. But here, the rules is, are going to save you. Because the whole point of this book and books like it in V20, and I like the way they've done this system, uh, they gave you the rules. It's, it's not that they're not debatable. It's like, you need structure. Here's the structure. But right. run forth and tell stories. Don't waste time on this. We did that for you. Get to the story.
0: Exactly. And, and and that's fundamentally what I mean by that. When, you know, if you want to delve into the scientific aspects of your game, that's a story for you to explore, right? What I mean is when we sit around and we kind of like debate outside of a game, like it's because of this, or this happens because of that, or that could never happen. And it doesn't make sense. You're playing a game. You're trying to tell a story, right? That's what you're trying to do. So, if like the scientific, like evolutionary reasons why people become ghouls or why they stay revenants, if that's important to the story you're telling, then tell it. If it's not, why does it matter? It's just a game. Like no one questions dragons in D anD. Nobody, right? Just but the,
1: but the two guys in this podcast right now. But other. <laughs>
0: right right. maybe maybe nerd
1: words about uh nate the dragons but we'll uh right right
0: (laughs) right of course um yeah so um let's talk a little bit about revenants shall we so uh bob when you stop dying from laughter uh what what exactly is a revenant
1: all right a revenant is something it's basically a i'll tell you the experiment right it comes from the zemis right that's where they often credit for being the originator of discovering how to make revenants, right? And for them, it's a a predation on family lines up in the Carpathians, Eastern Europe. And what happens is, these people isolated, the Zemis were breeding. They literally took prize goals and had them breed. In every way and horrific idea you might think that is, yes, people were kept in pens. Yes, uh, the the age was not appropriate morally. Yes, they forced this guy or girl onto this guy or young girl um, and to produce what? Offspring genetics right and their ultimate goal was to create a ghoul that doesn't require blood as often or at all was the goal and what happened is is that's exactly what they got so a revenant is a birth creature that has an extended lifespan greatly extended lifespan that has some of the vampiric power that stays with them they basically make their own and that's and that's great problem is it's not true immortality, right it has its limitations and those are listed but it's still better than a ghoul. If you have a revenant, the cool advantage of being a revenant is that you don't have to be bound. And the master doesn't have to come around and give you his precious blood. Right, You are going to be unique on your own right.
0: Right. The, the revenant, um, they belong to a family. They produce their own vampiric blood, vitae, um, or vitae, however you pronounce it. Uh, and uh, they kind of stick around right like the those families they and and for the most part they all serve a function now the cool thing about this is we talk about like the Zemites and like them sort of like innovating or creating perhaps revenant families but the cool thing about this book is uh there's a bunch more revenant families that we either didn't have access to before or were created were it were recently rediscovered as it were
1: what i enjoy about it they point out a duh Right. Mm-hmm. Do you really think the Zemis were the only ones who had a seclusion and ability right. to make this prize gold breed with this prized person? I
0: mean, right. mortals it's just, it's were like doing it. In
1: right. Historically, we were selling off land by marrying a daughter to someone else. Do you right. think it's a far leap and cry for another immortal to go, you know what? Right. I- I'm an Asimite and we have a desert. No one ever comes out here. Um, I think uh, Shawan should be with uh, uh, Jade Rem or whatever his name is right over here. And uh, I want to see what that kid looks like. It turns out, do it enough. Guess what you get? Oh, Revenant. There's no special right, magic right. ritual. It's called repetition.
0: Right, right. It definitely can be. Um, so moving on, uh, we we get into chapter three. Chapter three talks about um, ghouls uh, <laughs> in the clans, uh, clan organization. Uh, um, I'm sorry, clan ghouls and organizations. I, I can read and use words. It's a very cool talent. Um, so they talk a little bit about, primarily, in the first part of this chapter, the different sects and how they utilize and observe ghouls. Now, um, I have played in games uh, in my long and illustrious career of playing this game. I've played, especially yeah. in larps. Yes, I have played in games, and in some of these games, um, the right of Progeny, was extended to creating ghouls as well, Uh, wherein the prince of of this particular city, and usually it was a player prince, uh, would say, no one can create a ghoul, much in the same way no one can embrace a chilled without my permission. Uh, Most of the time in LARPs, that doesn't last long. Uh, You will learn as a prince in a LARP, you have to be very even-handed. Uh, Because people will always be trying to kill you. Um, But to some, uh, some believe that in the Camarilla, that's kind of like the prince is right. You know, that ghouls are a risk to the masquerade. And um, they should be utilized uh, as as little as possible. And they should not be kept for a long period of time. Uh, And they talk a little bit about that in here. Um, Bob, you look like you have something you wish to add.
1: Oh, it's, uh, it's just in the echo of my mind and only my own echo chamber. I always sat here and go, don't ever do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, ever go, don't ever do that because the next right. inevitable question series coming up is, well, how would they know I made a ghoul? Yeah, indeed. How would they know? You would have right. to have told them. That's right. what it comes down to. <laughs> right. The ghoul would have to rat you out, and, but they're completely enslaved to you. Why would they rat you out? It ruins everything, so they wouldn't rat you out. So ergo, unless the storyteller is going to be super pedantic, and monitor everything, and you have right. a, everyone has a ghost, and every, it's it's a, it's a headache. It's not going to happen, and it ruins the very aspect of why you have a ghoul. It's right. an extension of your humanity, if you think about it. And Nate asked, so I'm going on this tangent a little bit.
0: I would like you know, it. I like to hear it.
1: And and the fact is, when when you want to make a ghoul, it's tantamount and echoes what it's like when a parent wants a child. You're not looking to make another one of you. That's not what you're doing, and that's not what the embrace does. They may be called chilled. But your child isn't equal the moment they're a member of the undead and you're done training them, that's it. They're eye to eye. A ghoul never will be. So you can have some pretty unique relationships when you play with that, and that gets really cool. But you miss it because that's what it's all about, really, is we'll just shorten it. It's relational, the cool thing about having a ghoul. It's not about necessarily power. It's not about the fact that they're uh, a super cool merit you can take to get you some amazing whatever. It's about someone who understands if I'm gonna play this school and you're that vampire, or I'm the storyteller portraying the school, here's a super smart book that has all these abilities for me to highlight one thing. I am worth something to that vampire.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I you know, personally, like I said, I I've been in, in games. I've never played a tabletop game where like a storyteller character prince camarilla etc was ever like you can't make ghouls because it's you know without permission i've never but like larp you know in in a larp setting uh, oftentimes arbitrary meaningless rules are created usually it's because they don't want people coming in and playing ghouls or something like that or you know like some some silly nonsense but hey it could be an idea in your game if you have A super oppressive prince or a primogen council that wants to be in everybody's business and it's super conservative that could be like a cool little plot hook um having said that let's move on and talk a little bit about how the sabbat tends to treat ghouls
1: Sabbat's pretty hardcore um always has been always will be but their ghouls are important to them because you need them to serve a purpose and a task these anyone in the sabbat or anyone who's heard of the sabbat Is going to tell you there's no way all mortals are food, and the people Mm -hmm. in the Sabbat are going to tell you all mortals are food. Yeah, but these this food here does stuff, right? Right. So it's so it's almost like the Sabbat vampires view these mortals like they do pets in Ark. Yeah. Hey, you know i i tame (laughs) I tame this mortal so they can get me more yield on the grass they pick outside.
0: My pterodactyl died. I need to get a new pterodactyl. It's that simple, (laughs) right? You know. Or well, if, you don't,
1: if, if you don't play ARC, we got a better analogy. You got two guys who need to earn you money, right? And they're, and there's some podcast guys. And you're like, I got a product. Why don't you guys pitch it forever? And just get over there and do it. And, you know, hopefully it works out, right? And that's what it is, and to be funny about it. But do you think that guy really cares that much? This is, nah, I'm going to Google them, and it's going right. to work out. But I'm a Sabat member. The moment it stops being, talk about that stress. Deadline, fellas. My bank account's still empty. And I have this sledgehammer, <laughs>
0: right? Right. <laughs> I know where you live, and I know you, you sleep days. Uh, so yeah, no. I mean, um, I, I've always thought of the Sabat as kind of like a two tiered uh, sect, right? on On your ground level, you know, you have you have your um, your recent inductees, you have your your new hires, right? And they're just gung ho, just trying to like, you know, kill everything that comes in their way, and you know, everything's a, a drink, and everyone's an enemy. Right. And then there's like the Sabbat that lives like 10, 15, 20 years. And they're like, oh, our enemies beat us because they cultivate and maintain influence and certain things need to get done during the day that the nomadic biker pack doesn't live long enough to figure out. Right. So their revenants exist for a reason. There are Sambra and Zemise elders for a reason. and the sabbat is is like anytime you get to like bishop or above you're probably gonna have a ghoul or two They got to right
1: right that's a lot of stuff they gotta do to right. keep track of
0: they, they just don't admit to it
1: my favorite is montreal you want to know how they still have a city even though there's all those Sabat there it's because the archbishop has a death squad that handles the police and everybody else in between right hey media company you want to talk about that rumble last night yeah it was a gang no, it wasn't a gang. Someone said they saw fangs. Bang bang. Okay, new guy. It was a gang. Sure was.
0: Well, and uh this so this uh this chapter goes into even more information about the not just the Sabbat, not just the the Camarilla uh, and the Anarchs and honestly like the Anarchs are varied. They treat their ghouls much as you would expect, right? They're the Anarchs tend to be most connected to m- like mortals just generally speaking. So they're probably going to treat them nicely, but you might have an occasional asshole who treats them like garbage. Welcome to the Anarchs. But it also talks about like the Inkanu, uh, the Manus Nigrum, the Talmay Ra, the True Hand, the Ashira, and kind of tells you like how those different sects or subsects treat their ghouls as well. I'm just
1: uh, curious did you see the Street Sweeper Social Club anywhere in there?
0: Street sweeper, street sweeper, social club. Yeah, because not, not a, only is uh, not just a band,
1: also a social club. I, I only asked that because I sat here thinking about it, and I was like, "What if those were anarch goals?
0: What if they were? I don't know. I pitching. think Tom is an anarch goal. Is that what you're? Uh,
1: I'm just saying it could be. It's a great concept.
0: I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Street Sweeper, sweeper Social Club, but they're not just a social club; they're also a band. <laughs> I'm gonna um, say
1: that ten more times before the stats that,
0: end. That is, uh, that's why that guy probably said it ten more, like ten times, like every time the song ended, so that like that's such a hard name: Street Sweeper Social Club. Say that ten times fast, <laughs> right. and you've got yourself a band. We're we're like off on some tangent. We
1: are, but we were talking about the Ashira and other societies and right. how the ghouls were in them.
0: But then, um, it basically breaks down for all of you folks. Ghouls clan by clan, right? And and I actually really appreciate this because, ah, uh, it, it's not something that I've seen included for, uh, ghouls before. So it it breaks down why this section is important. It breaks down what the weaknesses of the individual clans are for their ghouls. So like, go ahead.
1: No, no, I was gonna say it's like you have seen it, and I'll tell you it's it's delivered differently here. Before, they didn't give it a special category. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how it is. They describe to you that, and see if you remember, it. that if I am a Bruja, and I'm a Bruja Domitor and I have a ghoul, they may display a mild version of the Bruja rage.
0: Right. It, it wasn't It wasn't considered, it wasn't, like, classified as a weakness, right? Like, it is for vampires.
1: Because they don't tie it in, right? right. They just say, like, wait a minute, one night after tasting blood, this guy's going to get really pissed and hulk out all of a sudden? Right? It right. didn't make sense. This right. book fixes it. They tell you that that's a product of time, right? The longer they're with you, taking the juice, the more they're going to fall and become like you.
0: Right. I love that. You called it taking the juice, taking the juice. <laughs> um, also, uh, as we go through here, I I really have to state, uh, and this is something that people probably expect to hear from me, but uh, I really dig the artwork of this book. Um, Especially like these, these characters, like uh, I really like, it looks good to me. So yeah, Kudos. No,
1: I was I was I was chuckling because it came out of nowhere. You were like, <laughs> Nate's appearance was like, Well, I don't care that you're laughing at me, Bob, but I'm I'm gonna say it. The art <laughs> right. I think the artwork was like, of course, man, you,
0: I enjoy you. the artwork. Um In okay. fact,
1: my favorite picture is mm-hmm. is a scene I actually ran before and they immortalized it and I'm happy. It's a picture that shows the bru- or the, the dometer, for us it was a brewer, mm-hmm. leaping up over the rooftop while he leaves his prize gold down below picking up the SWAT guy. The first one by the neck, and drew all the attention. Right, because you know what happens when a hundred and one pound woman turns around to that two hundred and fifteen bulldog SWAT guy, and he's like, get <laughs> down in the crowd. And you turn, and you are like, oh no, nah, I love him. And you pick him up straight in the air. Everybody else is pointing a gun at you because they don't know r- what r- r- right shit just the needles off the record. They don't know what's going on at that point. It's a great picture.
0: Um. All right. So, um, as we go through the different clans and um uh they're like your the individual role of the ghoul and and what affects them uh we get into some ghoul organizations um and these are great for all of you guys uh all you folks to read um but there's some cool ones in here i'd never heard of before that are definitely going into my game um yeah yeah we we move on to the next chapter and uh i feel like we've ran that scene before too but, uh, you know, for completely different reasons. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a messed up family right there. I can't.
1: Uh, I'm a fan of horror, as we know, and it is Nate is too. Um mm-hmm. the the photo we're talking about in this book that we're kind of tiptoeing around. It's telling yeah,
0: there's a it's church. A, it's there's the one a, right before chapter four,
1: right? There's a, I don't know. Do you want to describe it? Do you want to just be like, oh, look at chapter four. It's a little dicey.
0: Well, yeah, so chapter four, uh, there is a church, as Bob said, um, and there is a priest um, who looks like he may have had a rough go of things. Um, And then there's someone very strong, very pale with a hatchet (laughs) chasing after him. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it occurred. (laughs) The brutality
1: of it is that the priest is literally crying. His face is all bruised and he's bound. And he's like standing in a field, like somebody should come and shoot him in the head. But mm-hmm. instead of a gunshot, it's this like s- six foot something monster, leather face like person holding a potato yeah. sack over their head, and they're hopping. They're literally doing like a hop skip with this hatchet to this guy who's unaware that it's about to happen.
0: I'm but not who- saying it's a Brodovich.
1: Sure you're not. I am. <laughs> you call it what it is. <laughs> it's it's certainly not a rust of. I can't even say the name. It's a Bradovich. That's what it is.
0: <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some of these uh, these families. Um, actually, let's just do this, Bob. What's your favorite of the revenant families that are included in this book?
1: In this book, they introduce one that I actually love more than anything else. That's the uh, uh, the Oprichniki.
0: Is Obrichniki? that right? I I is believe right? so. Um, I I did actually uh, um, I did a. On YouTube to find out how to pronounce that name last night.
1: Is that is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Or did you forget?
0: I forget, but that's probably yeah. I mean, you know, it's probably right. The,
1: the greedy mercenaries. Because uh me and Nate, we did extensive research on criminal organizations. One being the vori and I I enjoy the fact that this is basically the vori But what would happen if the world of darkness twisted them? Mm-hmm. It did read, I don't know how it reads to you. That's exactly how it reads to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely yeah yeah um basically all the research and learning i've ever done as an adult was because of this game so (laughs) i I have to give you know white wolf i have to give onyx path credit because i i want to represent things as realistically as possible and i was like i wonder what the russian mafia would be like if i included them in this game and you know here's a here's a version of them uh our version or or at least the like the characters i made were not uh revenants um and they were not sabat affiliated however very similar very very similar
1: to be feared for sure
0: yes yes um so my favorite in here uh is probably still um you know it's it's hard to say um but I'm probably still the Brodovich because I'm just a creature of habit. And I I just dig those old school uh, hillbilly, meth-dealing, dog-training, nasty bastards. Um, uh, but uh, I definitely like the Rosalini. Um, I like the fact that uh, the Giovanni have a Revenant family. And the fact that they have one for the Venture clan in here is pretty interesting as well. Um, but, uh, I've always really, I just, I don't think that there's a bad Revenant family necessarily. Um, I could probably live without the Dahabi, but you know.
1: See, it's weird. I really enjoy the Dahabi. I really do. I I I can
0: always find a place for them.
1: I like them as, uh, as plot devices though. I really enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Nothing like a Dahabi to come in and collapse near some elder's home to take in as a snack to learn that their body is a tail. Right. Right, and that they're if they're they're gonna want to see what the hell they're about, and that's a it's a fun little device. But as a playable character, I don't think anybody wants. I mean, they're servants, right? And then the Dahabi the are just you didn't even have to golem, right? Or even right. even help them. I mean, grant a Revenant family, of course you're not the on, but you don't have to ensure loyalty. They're like they're like right. pre built to be servants because that's how the Bali do,
0: right? Um, so a long line of the different families. And then of course we get into chapter five, which brings us to character creation. Um, and this gives you a little bit more in-depth detail, um, for essentially running a ghoul centric game. Um, you know, if you have a bunch of people, uh, so I, I like the idea of like a hunter game, but using ghouls, like having a little bit more in-depth knowledge, but you're not necessarily hunting vampires to kill them. You're hunting them to eat.
1: That's, it's always fascinating, right? We right. did that one supplement where you, uh, you had that hunter ghoul running around. I believe it was, uh, Louis Pasteur was, uh, was actually the guy they kind of based him off of. Mm-hmm. If you remember that. And he was right. like trying to collect blood in a jar and the whole nine. I like right. how that idea was kept. Like right. that seat was there and look at the hunter ghoul and what it could be. I know a lot of you are thinking you didn't need the Louis Pasteur s- story to come up with a hunter ghoul. Very true however it's cool to think of it that way uh because it gives it history like it didn't come right. out of a hat type thing right i mean right. it makes make sense if you were dying because you didn't have the juice you'd get it
0: yeah yeah right well we What's we happening? all know what those old books are like <laughs> some of them are better than others like we uh, the anyways yeah uh, right <laughs> so all of these um uh, this this chapter here uh, has a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, you know, it also gives you some information, gives you some cool new backgrounds that you can include uh, for your ghoul, um, like double life and family elder. Like those are pretty cool. I, I like those. And then your merits and flaws, and then virtues. Um, the concept of of a, of a ghoul frenzying. Um, that that's that's a new and interesting dynamic that um I hadn't necessarily. Uh, when I first kind of like read about it, I was kind of like, eh, do we? But I, I, you know, I have to say all things considered doesn't bother me. I kind of like that concept. Um,
1: I, I think it's morally degrading when you right. think about it. And, and it's good for me. That's good for me. I just made myself sound like the creepiest guy ever. I don't necessarily think moral degradation is good. And I just did it again. I said, necessarily, is there a middle ground? You could t- I'm middle ground about that term, but. What I mean in a is,
0: uh, I don't mind it in a game.
1: What I mean is, is that a person who um, is a ghoul and they right. frenzy, like I like using the claim Bruja because it's to me the most terrifying, right? right? You, everyone's been around an angry person. Somebody who's lost their mind and started attacking physical. You know what I mean? Like somebody right. who's lost it. We're not talking someone who's mad and swears a lot. It might be shouting at someone or shouting back. We're talking that's when the lizard brain kicks on and they're slamming and kicking something and hitting something. That to me is more real of a frenzy. They're not even really there. They've checked out. Right. This state's having that door open to the beast, it's even worse. And when my mind tries to grasp what even worse is, like that guy might try to eat a face without bath salts. Didn't need him. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? He's getting right. down, and that's right. scary. He might be growling inhumanly, and you could hear that. And that's good for a film, even or a right. book, to see it. That would that would be boss.
0: Right. Uh, I, and I think that that's, uh, that's a very cool concept and a very cool idea um, that also makes ghouls all the more dangerous. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so here we have your, your backgrounds, your merits and flaws, your actual character creation. So, um, you know, this, this is going to get down to business for creating some of those. Um, then, you know, of course, we have sort of the wrap up, which is storytelling and this is always one of my favorite chapters as a storyteller for obvious reasons it's called storytelling um but um it's it's you know it's designed to help you to manage running a ghoul game or including these ghouls into your game because uh you know I didn't know this bob but apparently there are people they only play like certain aspects of this game right like right. we're 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 spoiled because like we've been we've been doing this for so long with one another that like our group we just kind of like it's whatever it is it's it, that's what it is right it's all in we you know and and that's just kind of like been our general thing since way back in the day but what i didn't know is certain people they don't they don't delve into every aspect of this game they don't know what we know um and in fact we're probably in the minority as far as like the depth of our knowledge um so you know for a lot of you guys you're you you have questions you, you know how do we include these in the game how do we do it correctly or maybe correctly isn't the right word but properly and this is going to give you Which some means cool correct- stuff to go by <laughs>
1: <laughs> what Nate is saying in simplest of terms, because he's being super nice and we need to, but we're really right. hammering home that there is a correct way in the ballpark setting, right? At least hit the spectrum. Right. And then there's a way that maybe maybe we'll be a little too far off the pale. And this serves as a guideline to kind of help right. you with that.
0: Right. Um, but also what this has are plot hooks right? So you're like, oh man, I don't know how to proceed with my game. Well, here's some plot hooks. Maybe use some of those, maybe help those to propel your story forward. Um, I think that one of the key elements of, of running this game or running any game is never showing that you don't know where to take your story, right? Never like, part of this being a storyteller in this game or really any game or a dungeon master or a game master is having a perfect poker face. That's it. If you have a perfect poker face and you just go, Oh shit in your head and you never let your players that you are stumped and don't have a fucking clue where to go from here. If you never show that your players never know.
1: There are a cult of people dedicated to studying me when I run a game that want to swear they can read me. And then I have the inner circle that tell him you never will stop it. <laughs> right. Right? It just goes two modes. i I know Nate's enjoyed it too. Um Nate is has a very good poker face as ST as well. Um I just usually pick the randomish shit to do to, to break a little bit of, of that stoicism. But um for the vast majority, people are very apologetic. You're very sorry, you're very um you're very nice when you storytelling and, and damn it, you represent the world of darkness god. Mm-hmm. If you're a storyteller, you gotta be that god little uncaring, a little, a little, you know, deceiving, um, the whole point for fun is what yeah, it is. And that's I don't want to get too far on that, but that's just hammering that home.
0: So here's a little trick that I used to use. And maybe some of you can use it, especially if you have like an advanced player in your game. Um, when I first started storytelling, I, I had very little confidence in my ability. Um, and even, even now, like I move with a sort of uncertainty with everything that I do, Like, it's just, that's part of being human. But when I first started, I was like, man, I'm going to fuck this up. Nobody's going to have fun. It's going to be terrible. But I never said that because I wanted people to actually play in my game. So what I would do is I would run a session, right? I'd have like a concept or an idea. And then I would wait for the game to end. And I would listen to all the things that my players said out of game. And they'd be like, oh my God, I bet it's like this. And I bet it's like that. And the secret was. I hadn't written past that game session. So I waited to hear what they said. And I would just either play into what they said or I would do completely the opposite of what they thought. But I was always going off of them. Like they were basically writing the story. And, you know, it got to the point where I was like, no, I have a confidence of where this is going to go now. I don't have to do that anymore. But even still, I love to listen to post game banter.
1: Well, Nate's officially banned from the storytellers gathering this year on the yacht. Um, <laughs> you can't come. It was right here. I'm like uh, I'm like Bob Gillette, you know, and he's supposed to be Teller, Nate Teller, but apparently that went <laughs> out the window. We'll have to figure out a new rule. That's a very good point, and that will serve you better than anything. If, we've, if you've ever heard our Teach Me How, I know we mentioned that before that's on there um, mm-hmm. about storytelling. That is the best tool of any storyteller ever. Right just know your audience
0: know what they're looking for have a poker face and know your audience that's it just move with confidence move with the air of confidence you don't ever you don't actually have to have it right like i'm sure kurt cobain like had zero confidence like that may be a bad example but Mm. but but, um (laughs) 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 know not, no, that. that's that's terrible um so anyways storytelling it's a thing um uh, then we move on to uh the end an appendix a gallery of ghouls i love this i have a newfound respect for i don't have to do a bunch of extra work hey folks you may not know this but You could spend hours and hours and hours making every single character for your game, or you could find a book that has a list of characters that you could just pluck from, right? Take some character concept ideas, because I'll tell you what, I've been working on some games and I'm like, I don't want to detail every single ghoul and every single vampire in this book. Don't open a book and go, oh, it's a free agent. Oh, oh, it's a messenger oh, it's uh, it's a swarm of rats, right? Like, it's a no-brainer. So uh, this is fantastic. Anytime that you have, like, a list of things that you can quickly use, that means it's useful to have at the table. That's what makes a book to me. Useful at the table for either the player or the storyteller. So...
1: I would have to say, that, man. this is good for a Bradovich Hound. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this, this is when I kick in, right? I'm, I'm the guy who used to grab storyteller books and look mm-hmm. at the monsters to get an idea of balance and what they could mm-hmm. stuff in here. I will right. warn you now; you will not be pleased. I won't get into no. it. But no. When you look at this, you will not be pleased. Um, yep. there, was, there was fundamental, and I don't blame them. I feel that they got to a point where they were like, "Well, the animals are here. Here's an idea of stats. Adjust them how you want. Stop being a stop bitching." And I'm, right. li- I'm literally like, uh, "Yeah, I'm a bitch, little." At some point, <laughs> just not here. Yeah. I know I'll you said don't. Little. I know you said don't. Like we both got our little our little things when it comes to this. It's just I'm trying to picture a condor eagle having the strength of an Olympic weightlifter.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's crazy talk. But uh, you know, you know, what are you gonna do?
1: I'm just saying, ghouled, um, right? I'm not a I'm not a Gould uh, eagle,
0: right? So uh, I don't know. Uh, I've, I don't know that I've ever used a ghouled eagle in any game that I've ran, but maybe that's just, that's a deficit for me. I don't know.
1: I mean, that ghouled eagle can overturn a car.
0: I'm more interested in, quite frankly, the, the human ghouls than I am the animal ghouls. Um, because uh, chances are, and, and again, perhaps this is a deficit of me, there's probably not going to be an opportunity for anyone in my game to fight uh, a, v- a vozd. Vozd. Vahaz'd, Vahaz'd. Uh, no war goals yeah, probably not going to be a thing however um
1: they do tell you tactics for how to use those war goals yeah. Why they might be created in the final nights i say the final nights because it was a slip of the tongue of a product made a lot of it's of the nights uh modern for, right. for why, why visit, they're not running around but it gives you a neat little seed for you might build one call it a vase give it stats similar that is uh, capable of slipping through the streets and wreaking havoc in that regard. Or you you stick to the other S word that I'm going to butcher. I think it's Schlotka. The Schlotka. Schlotka or Zlotska, however you pronounce it. I don't know.
0: Peter Schlotka.
1: Um, They're awesome, too. I just don't believe in the uh, Big Bird's brother they left there in artwork. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) sorry
0: <laughs> right. well, that's cool you know what are you gonna do where the wild um, things are is
1: what it reminds right. me of more Isn't than anything
0: it it does yeah so yeah i don't i was like oh yeah that's that's what you're gonna go with with the schlotka anyways hey what am i i'm not some critic or something
1: yeah but he could tell you how many licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie pop
0: mr owl are you saying that this this schlotka is is beaked Oh, he does he he definitely you know what you know what that looks like it looks like someone took a muppet from like uh like you said big bird's brother and just tore the skin off of it was just pissed <laughs> was just right. pissed uh anyways hey you know what are you gonna do that's that's his idea of flesh craft not mine uh, right
1: so. and it works it works
0: so f- let's get down to brass tacks here bob this book what do you think this book's give awesome. it a give it a summary
1: this book's awesome like with confidence I could ditch the other gold books they've made Uh, because of this book because it's all in one i feel it's current fits the material beautifully and it's a bit more organized better they do give you poison for snakes for gold snakes to never affect a vampire with so that's cool right Mm -hmm. it's good that it's there and uh, that that works for me as well i tease and i don't but i tease and that's uh uh it's awesome honestly this book this book is healthy for any storyteller's kit
0: i mean um there's some things that i may or may not include um in here um but i think all things considered like most of the other v20 books uh it is well organized um it is i think it is a natural procession of the updates from revised to v20 um rules uh from a rules perspective um i think the artwork is really good and i think that they did a very good job however um i would say me as a as a as a person who's been doing this a long time um, I didn't really learn any new things about ghouls, right? Like that, but that it's I, not everybody's me. Like we said before, not everyone is me. Um, so if you, I think at, with the V20 material, you can sit down with those books and you can run an exceptional game and never have to look back at any of the other material at all. I think you can keep it to, you know, a dozen books or however many V20 books there are and do your thing. Um, and I think that um, is this an imperative book? No, it's not imperative. You can get by with the information that's in the B twenty book. But if you want to expand your world, and you want to get a little bit more information, or you want to want to run a Google game, here you go. And for that, I think it's it's fantastic. So uh, right. it's a book I own. It's a book Bob has in his hand right now.
1: Before you're done, yes. To the cover. I had a I had a question for you. Quick question.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Which Going one's the, the vampire? Right.
0: Um do you know the answer? Uh I think it's the one in the chair looking at the wine, but that's just me.
1: Now I thought about it, but look at her face. Doesn't mm-hmm. it look like I don't know what this motherfucker's drinking? But I think <laughs> he got into my stash. And he's sitting in my chair. To me, it's like the three little bears.
0: Right. You know what yeah, I mean? No, I, I can get that. I can get that. Yeah. Because he's I, looking I with such that.
1: confidence, like, aha oh, I finally got it taste she's not around. And she's like, I didn't leave nothing. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Just saying it was a question I had. I like I like the photo. It says a lot. It's really cool.
0: I I like it too. I I, I like the artwork. I, I, I really, that's one thing that uh, I like about V20 is that the artwork seems to be um, more realistic looking, but still has that world of darkness flavor. Um, It's something I'm, I'm less critical of than maybe some other things we've talked about in the past about some newer material, but whatever. so, those of you listening may fully understand that last episode wasn't our last Vampire the Masquerade episode. I don't remember what I said, but I must have given the impression that that was the last one. I apologize for having misled you.
1: I think we actually said it was the last one is why.
0: M- maybe. I don't know. You, you know, you talk funny, for...
1: But what's funny, I know we said that, it then said, uh-huh. after Ghouls.
0: right. No, I mean, right. Just... I, look the truth of the matter is when you spend two hours talking about a game, sometimes you lose track of the shit that you say. Sometimes just random stuff comes out of your mouth. Um, but to fully clarify, we have one additional episode after this one, wherein we will review lore of the bloodlines and ready-made characters together. Ready-made characters is a smaller book, so it doesn't really require a full episode. Um, but, so it'll be a little bit longer podcast. Hopefully it'll
1: probably um, be, this is ready-made characters and these are the people in it. Ready?
0: <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give it a little bit more attention than that, but um, I, I can say personally, it's a bit of a sleeper. Um, I've already, I already read it. Um, I, I actually found it at the used bookstore a couple of weeks ago and picked it up and read it. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised, but we'll get into that in the next podcast. So, After this one, we have one additional Vampire the Masquerade episode left that will come out the very last Friday of January, I think, and uh, that will be on Lore of the Bloodlines and ready-made characters. So hopefully there's no confusion, fully clarified, Uh, and then after that we're going to have a two-week hiatus, only two weeks, and we'll come back with some Dark Ages material, Plus we have like so much other stuff like on the burners.
1: Are we uh they came from beneath the sea. When are we doing that? Because I thought you said something crazy.
0: Uh like like we were
1: doing we're ending the line, right? But no, we're we're done. Not we're ending it. It comes to an end. Then the segue. I thought that yeah. was going to be the game and then we No, forward.
0: so so we uh during that two week hiatus we're we're going to be reading a bunch of material um uh, because we we have another podcast called Nerd Words where we usually do like our post review discussion on uh we haven't really we haven't really had the time uh we've kind of been like overwhelmed but what we're going to start doing is We're going to start doing some uh, additional game reviews and some uh, Storytellers Vault reviews on NerdWords starting in February. So we're going to do our review of The Came From Beneath the Sea. We're going to do our review of The Storytellers Vault material and some other games starting when we come back from hiatus. So basically, our two-week period of off time is going to be filled with reading
1: Filled of us not being off, just you won't hear us.
0: Right, right. (laughs) We just just won't be recording. We'll just be consuming and then learning. But also, um, we are working on, and we don't have a specific date or any specific details other than please stay tuned. We're working on an internet-based, what do they call it, Uh, uh, um, actual play? Kind of a Uh, deal. A playcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I just made that up. I
1: think it's a playcast,
0: but, you know. Actual play. You you guys know what it is. We brain farted. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to cobble together an awesome gaming group, and we're going to play together online, and I'm going to record it and try to make it into a thing that people want to actually listen to. I don't know how well that's going to work. I'm going to try. So uh yeah, again, I don't have a timeline for that. I don't know date wise. Um, I very much want to be able to produce this so that it is listenable. So I may wait and see how things roll out and release them all after they're recorded. I may do them individually. Who knows? Nobody, because it's totally nebulous. But it's in it's in the pipeline. We're working on it.
1: I feel nebulous needs something.
0: It means globule. It's it's. Like, like nebula, nebula. it's, it's mm-hmm. good. I'm a nebulous. You got fantastic
1: just, a, hand prestige for it. I, just I did. I, did. I, I
0: was I was talking with my hands. I was making magic. Yeah. So, anyways, one more podcast, two week break, then many podcasts of all the things you like and enjoy. Us doing reviews of them, maybe people that are really cool being on interviews. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, actually, I do. So uh yeah all right well hopefully you guys enjoyed um get your butts out and pick up a copy of Ghouls and Revenants if you so please and until next time I am Nathan and I am Bob and we must go record more podcasts goodbye <laughs> Hey folks this is Nathan from 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade if you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to Think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.